0: Inside OU listeners, thanks again for being loyal subscribers and listeners to the podcast with Brady Trantham and I. Like to get to know Oklahoma's offense and defense better. We have started a Patreon page for our postgame show and my popular film reviews from Twitter. It's $4 for the postgame show and $5 for the film review on Sundays and the postgame show. You can subscribe at patreon.com slash inside underscore OU. It will allow us to do even more cool things now and beyond for you. Thanks again for being loyal subscribers and listeners to Inside OU. See you all next time. Bob Stoops were in my childhood.
1: It's the Inside OU Podcast on the Franchise Podcast Network.
0: If you listen to this, any compliance, I don't endorse that. Blast message. with Brady Trantham and Keegan Renault. Mike Stoops should be put on
1: trial for war crimes. <laughs> well, we're live at Vanessa House Brewing Company, downtown Oklahoma City, off Broadway and Sixth. Ryan is at Sixth Street, right? Yeah, it's Sixth Street. We're joined by Ryan Chapman. He's just sitting, but this is the Inside OU podcast. It's Eighth 6th, 8th Street. Excuse me. Soft. Act like you've been here before. I've been here, but I'm drunk all the time that I'm here, <laughs> so I, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's also true. Keegan's here, and it's, uh, it's a very special day for Keegan because he got to watch a lot of Chris. No, it's it's Keegan's birthday. No, that is why. That is why this uh, wasn't
0: my birthday. People need the first thing that they want to learn anything about me. My birthday, I don't, I don't make it a huge deal. Well, sure. Should I go put a? You want me to go get a sash for you and put it on? And yeah, wear you need
1: a tiara, a tiara, tiara, however, however you say it. Actually, last Thursday, it's funny. Last Thursday mm-hmm. was my birthday, and we did a podcast, but we just did it in my apartment. Yeah. Which is much less fun than Vanessa House because beer is good for you if you drink it responsibly. Ain't that right, Ryan? Ryan said yes, but he kind of looked at me cross-eyed because he's been up two Crow's Nest deep. What's it called? Crow's Nest. Crow's nest. dark beer. Dark beer. Keegan, what do you like to drink? But well, what are you drinking right I, now? I'm
0: I'm drinking an ode to someone here, but at the same time, it's our good friend Stephen Steve. Brown from Absolutely. the Crimson
1: Cream Machine podcast with yeah. our other good friend Kami Murabi. He
0: uh he's on. He's got a potential victory lap. Whenever he listens to this, he'll get what I'm talking about. Oh, really? Event on the from a recruiting victory lap. If you remember the victory lap committee and all their duties. Does it have anything to do with the Bowman kid? No, oh, but no. we can get into that definitely at the end. But of course, no, it doesn't. Um. But yeah, no. In terms of beer, I'm I'm easy. If you can give me a dark beer that doesn't like taste I don't know how to describe it. Do you like coffee
1: taste and Not for beer. I like coffee in, in the beer. Like not literal caffeine when, in my beer. Whenever I, I, like the I come taste. to a
0: place like this, I typically go All right. What what's the closest to Coors like? Give me that. Yeah. And is it Coors or Coors?
1: Cours, cours, I don't, I don't drink cours.
0: What is it, Ryan? Is where, it cours? What? Where did you go? Cours.
1: Where did you go when you were at OU?
0: We went to Volaire a lot, as well as Sevens, Seven Forty Seven. Sorry, been, for you, for i For for the older. Crowd. I've
1: been to Seven maybe four times, and each time I almost got in a fight. It just wasn't my crowd.
0: No, it was, and it, it's I, a younger crowd. Well, I mean, when I was in, when
1: I was in college. Well, it was a like yeah. No, I'm ago. saying
0: I'm saying sevens now is like the if you have a fake ID, you can get into sevens.
1: Oh yeah, that was like uh oh man, what was it called? Oh, it's uh, not there Chim-
0: anymore. I should know
1: the answer to this. Oh man, is it Chimmy's or something like that? Chewy's got shut down because of yeah. I, I would go there because like it was a good place on. We're of course talking about places on Campus Corner in Norman. It's the Inside OU uh, Podcast. <laughs> we're at Vanessa House, like I said. Uh, but, yeah, I'd go there because it was a good little layout. They had a bunch of TVs. But then I would notice, like, there's a lot of children here that are drinking. And I'm like, I'm <laughs> not I'm not going to be around when the cops show up. So, but, yeah. Oh, I mean, I, Brewhouse on Main Street, I would shut that place down. And I would drink stout beers in the dead of summer. There's
0: another place that used to be open. Brothers was a very underage crowd as well. Well,
1: I think that was an 18 bar. Was it? Yeah, because I, I went there once because it was like you know that time where you're 21, but your some of your friends aren't. So yeah. you like, oh, where can we go? So we'd go go to Brothers, and they had so, that, they had that topsy turvy patio out out back that it, it wasn't level. Like there were just bricks. Sti- it, it was just so it was not the environment that you want drunk kids dancing around. But we had a good time. They uh, everyone you know drank responsibility.
0: So it was my first weekend down in norman whenever i started to attend ou we uh i get invited and they're like okay yeah we're gonna go out and i was like okay so we start going out and it's brothers well like i was about to turn 21 and everybody i was with was like freshmen freshmen in college i was heading in my junior year i was like man this ain't this is not the right uh right crowd for me but Norman's, where, where, where did you go? What was your – you said you went to uh, – where, where did you go a lot, I like, Chewy's? So I like
1: to dance, so I'd go to Logie's. I'd go to Logan's back in the day. That's Is that what, what it was like, called? That's what it was called when I was in college <laughs> until I think my senior year changed to Logie's. Um, I'd go there I'd go there on Tuesday nights to, to like – I think they had, like, $5 burger and beer night. Me and my buddy would go there to watch, like, random Thunder games, NBA games. And, yeah, on Friday, Saturday night I'd be there and just get – Face drunk <laughs> and uh, dance my little ass off and have a good time and walk back to my apartment on Lindsey Street and probably either uh, drink myself to sleep or cry myself to sleep.
0: <laughs> yeah. So
1: there or like I- I'd go to brew house just because once I got older and I'm still kind of this way. Once I got older, I I didn't really like being. At a bar where it was packed. Like, I just kind of like the Like, Vanessa House is awesome because I'll come here, and there's usually about nine, ten people here at any given time. So, no one's, like, screaming. No one's bothering you. We're probably the loudest motherfuckers here <laughs> because we're recording a silly podcast about a football team that's not playing this week, Keegan. It's a bye week.
0: It is a bye week. Oklahoma
1: is bye right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, no Oklahoma State, no Tulsa. There's no college football in Oklahoma, so but we're still going to give you a podcast. And by the way, the whole plan is to do our Thursday shows from Vanessa House from now on around 5.30 or so. So if you're in the neighborhood around this time and you want to come say hi and rub your hands in Keegan's hair and tell him that his film reviews are awesome, then please, by all means, do that.
0: Interesting. I mean, granted, this week... Like, Mondays are typically my, like, chill day, don't do anything, take a break, because Sunday nights I usually get after film. So Thank mo- you, Lincoln Riley,
1: for moving your presser to Tuesdays.
0: Yes, for sure. So, typically, Sunday night I get going, Monday night I'll finish it, as you you know from the past, starting really in the 2018 season. Uh, but this one was, there was so much. I mean, you saw me say at one point that I could have voiced over the entire game after that, like... I literally, if someone, if it was us three sitting there breaking or watching the game, I would stop it and rewind it at least three times and talk to you all about almost every single play. But um, between I, like rewatching the game, talking about it on the post game
1: show on the radio, talking about it with you on our post game show, which you can find on Patreon for $4 a month, and then listening to, you know, all the OU podcasts that I listen to throughout the week, I feel like I could paint you a picture of the OU Texas game. Start to finish, I don't think I'll ever forget the drive charts of the fourth quarter. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> For like, sure. Why are you passing the ball? We, I mean, we, we don't need to get into all that, but yeah, it's been uh, a lot of stuff has happened this week. Um, we already talked and talked about it on Tuesday in the Zoom podcast. That was almost a disaster. You won. You won the press conference on Tuesday. I did
0: not win the press conference. You did. You did. I you, did ask the question. Ryan. Ryan was ask.
1: there. He's nodding his head. I mean, Ori's, what, or, or like, heres or, or, my thing. Ori's he's here, just drunk. I don't know.
0: And, and Ryan is not on. Ryan's on the mic here, but and Brady, you've heard me complain about this, but dude, like, there was so many questions to ask from the game on Saturday, fourth quarter play calling, a bunch of other things, and then that as well. Ronnie Perkins not being there, and no one asked it. Like, why? Why does it take little J? Sooners Wire Keegan Renault. You're Big J. Little Stop wi- that. Little Wire, little J, Sooners Wire Keegan Renault to I'm a soft J. <laughs> to have to ask the question at the end. You get what I'm saying? Hey, at least you get called on in the queue. I I think I'm uh, batting 0% on getting called on when uh, Lincoln speaks. I'll I'll just say this. There's probably three or four people that should shouldn't be asking questions that you should get a shot to, but I will we'll leave that for another day.
1: Well, here's a drum roll. Happy birthday Keegan. Now let's get into the podcast. So, we are here at the Vanessa on a bye week, and Keegan is about nipple deep into some Chris Murray tape. And he actually showed me some some, some clips. And, yeah, I've been excited about him. Like, I, I, I went back and watched, like, maybe one UCLA game and just identified him. For, and oh. I was like, okay, he's going to be an improvement over more than likely. And that's all I really needed to see. But, Keegan, you've been a – like you're getting me a little bit more excited about the possibility oh, of no more Tyrese Robinson. I'm just, I, I'm just kidding. Like he had a good game against Texas.
0: He did. Tyrese Robinson played well. Um, how do I say this? You guys heard me say on Tuesday a little bit about that conversation. I've watched that really the third time through is whenever I'm fully in. I know what I'm wa- waiting for to see, making sure I see it. This and that, whatever. You talk about what this offensive line did in the de- in the development. There was an area of development, but like you have to break that down though because you're talking about the pass protection on blitzes. Texas was sending five a lot and Oklahoma picked up every single one. Now, that's a one really good job by the the players but an even better job by Bill Biedenbeau because that's a that's a look that Texas has given a lot this year and had a lot of success in that bear front where they're going to swing the e- end around a lot like what Oklahoma does and shoot them right up the gap. I mean, the Kenneth Murray sack against Sam Mallinger a year ago, um, that's the best example I can give you. They did a really good job defending that, and I need to get them credit for it. However, they only can run out of two tight. If there's two tight ends on the line to scrimmage, they're pretty damn successful running the football. Whenever there's not... It's hit and miss, and I know you heard, you know, Lincoln talk about consistency this week, consistency, consistency. Uh, but overall, this the game on Saturday just itself. Still, I just don't feel good about it. I, I like even going through it and continuing to look back on it, and, you know, even questioning some of my, you know, takes and my, my opinions from the game. It just, I don't know. I don't know if it's because you know the rattler thing I was showing on the Patreon to where he just wasn't very good. Like either though he was making plays, he wasn't making the right plays. And, and in that, I mean, the play was designed to go somewhere else. He just locked in on a guy and ended up making that play. His Anyways. first
1: interception is a perfect example. Exactly, it looked like a he made a decision before he, the ball was even snapped. Mm-hmm. And watching the play develop, and it, it's easy to do armchair quarterback when we're here and we're not getting rushed by someone that's can run a four or five and that's two hundred fifty-five pounds. But just watching that play develop, like Stogner was, like that was there. Are you talking about the, his first interception? Oh, for sure. Yeah. No, yeah, I, you know, you. But a young quarterback's going to do that
0: for sure, and and you know, in the same situation too. Like I've talked to you all about, you know, the picture of, and you've heard me talk about this. Like quarterbacks before a snap, they're looking for a certain picture, and they're going to throw. And their first, you know, if they like the look at the off the snap, that's where they're going to go to first. Yeah. Well. It's the same look they've been given on every single time they've run that play. They the safe where the safety's vacating into cover one to make sure nobody gets deep and leaving Austin Stogner on one on one. Joseph Hosai drops into coverage and the rest is history. You know, so they uh, it's you know going to be one of those things. And Twitter's back. Wait, is that ever? Is that is that it? Is oh Twitter my live? God, Twitter's back. It's Twitter <laughs> Live. I'm so excited
1: I was so scared. <laughs> No, I wonder if it was I told Ryan this before we went on. I wonder if it was a case where only people with check marks could tweet this time and all the non check mark people could. not
0: No, it's not back yet.
1: I just got a tweet from eighteen seconds ago.
0: I got a tweet from twelve seconds ago.
1: Uh, what well Oh more tweets are coming in. Oh my god. The tweets are rolling in.
0: This is such a uh I'm that was such a Gen Z of me thing to start. Well, I guess I'm one uh no, it doesn't matter. That's a generation. Well let me thing. try and send I it was maybe tr- just check marks right now.
1: Yep, I can't send a tweet. I, I, can't I was going to say on Twitter, but it won't, <laughs> it won't let me. <laughs> that, what a shame! But uh, well, r- real quick, going back to the offensive line. I mean, where do you identify that? Because what you're saying is like, unless they do two tight end sets, they're not having success running the football. Can you have you been able to identify a consistent? Is it the interior of the offensive line? Is it the is it the tackles? It's, Is it's it really
0: everybody. You you see Anton Harrison miss some blocks. I showed one specifically on the Patreon where Tyrese Robinson, if he would have just been able to yeah, that was just a mental thing. Yeah, they just
1: like ah, I'm kind of in no man's land and the guy's not there. Like mm-hmm. I, I I remember I played <laughs> I played. No
0: no, I'm talking about early. In th- are you talking about the play with Creed or the play with Tyrese?
1: Uh, uh, Anton Harrison. Oh Harrison.
0: Okay. Yeah. yeah yeah for sure. No, there was a play in the first half no where Tyrese Robinson they Oklahoma it was the long run where T.J. Pledger fumbled and I showed it on the Patreon page where uh, it may have been a voiceover but like Tyrese Robinson's coming up to go block the linebacker on the counter and he just whiffs him and ends up getting a big uh it, it ends up not allowing Oklahoma to have a huge run instead it's a T.J. Pledger having to do a bunch make a bunch of guys miss this and that whatever but uh but to your point too, yes, the Anton Harrison one, and I actually had reached out to someone to see what kind of block, what that what that was the role he was supposed to do on that play, and he basically was like, yeah, he's got to go stick with them regardless if his man vacates or not. So yeah, um, but overall, you're talking about where the offensive line's at. Um, they they just I overall like Adrian ely has been really 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 good. Like, really good this year. The guy that everybody expected him to be a year ago, but even in the run game, he's still, there's still some times where they're just not getting a push. And you heard Tyrese to talk about that on Tuesday, where he was like, Bill has just been at basically preaching that we need to finish plays. And I think, I guess that can be the motto for the entire team at this point yeah. as well.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's important to kind of point out that. This isn't a 2014 offensive line. This is not a 2009 injury-riddled offensive line where you have to move Brody Eldridge to center and then eventually Trent Williams has to be moved to center for the bowl game like. This isn't a bad offensive line. It's just it, just according to the experience, according to the talent returning and according to this is Bill Beetenbo, it's just not there, but it's ex- it's extremely like noticeable in the run game. And you know, maybe if Ramondre Stevenson comes back, before TCU or like after. Do T- you want to explain that real quick for the non-Twitter people? Wait, wait, what Did you not see the Justin Harrington
0: tweet? Oh, I did. I yes. did. I did. Sorry, I thought Steven that's what you Brown were... texted me, so I had to uh, check it. But uh, well, hello T-
1: Steven. I was just about to text you by the way.
0: <laughs> but uh, I mean, what what is there to explain? It's supposed to be the Tech game. Everybody, are we, We're all aware of that at this point, right? Like, the guys that are suspended is are supposed to be back a, for the Tech it, game. If it is indeed a
1: six-game suspension and the NCAA did not prorate the suspension because of one less game being played this year, then yeah, right? Yeah. Or well, two less games, right? It, it, no it, Tennessee, it, no Army.
0: It, yeah, it should have been five games because of the suspension, or four if you wanted to include last Orig-
1: year. When the schedule originally came out, well, I mean – the the Big 12 schedule originally came out before COVID. We all looked at it and said, okay, they'll be back unless they get a appe- – if they can appeal it somehow, they'll be back the game after Texas.
0: Yes, but no at the same time too because they're – what do you – it was a one-game suspension at the end of last year and then a f- you know 50% of this season. So it depends. I mean, on what you're – how you do that, what you say about it, but – Guess Justin Harrington knows more than we do, <laughs> right? Well, he, um, he, he deleted
1: it really quick, though. He should start a Patreon. He's got all the inside info.
0: Junior college guy, he'd be smart enough to do that.
1: Yeah, no, created
0: fake Twitter account. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, any. Oh, so, okay. So yes, Ramondre. The point of that was if Ramondre Stevens is here, the offensive line is still. As good and as bad as it's been, we just probably don't see it as much because Ramondre Stevenson masks a lot of their problems by breaking a tackle or seeing a hole that Seth McGowan and T.J. Pledger don't see and going through it and getting a big gain. So that will, of course, help. The hope is is that Chris Murray being, reinserted or being inserted into either the starting lineup or he being heavily rotated in, hopefully by the time that Ramondre gets back, Seth McGowan gets back, and the offensive line plays well and the running backs are all great. That's the hope.
0: That's the hope. It has to be the hope. Now, I made the joke with a couple media members during the press conference on Tuesday. Brady, where Tyrese Robinson talks, and I was, you know, jokingly was as if, well, Tyrese, how do you feel about Chris Murray replacing you whenever he's eligible? Whoa, you asked him that? No, I did not. I was about to say that's just rude. Yeah, but I mean, it was weird. I had to talk to the media on Tuesday. That's my point.
1: I've had to cover Terrence Ferguson. For three years, and not once did I or anyone around me ask, so... What happened? Like why? <laughs> <laughs> like, why? Why are you a starter, and then now how does it feel that Lou Dort has taken your job? Yeah. I bet Terrence but, Ferguson's like, You need we need to build a wall and stop those Canadians. Has anybody gotten close to that question, though, with stop, Ferguson? Yeah. Stop those Canadians from taking our jobs. Uh, um, Eric G. Eric, what... It, what it, that's correct. You're right, Eric G. Eric G. asked him that question. <laughs> that's a thund- that's Thunder talk. No one gives a f- about the Thunder.
0: But, uh, no, I, and obviously moving forward, though, Brady, right, you're talking about a, a team that, as I said, they did grow up, and they've proven to themselves that they went, could go win a close game. I don't know if you – yeah, you retweeted us. You saw the stats that we put out today. They struggle in the fourth quarter. I mean, it's a young team. After the first after the first quarter, they really taper off in general as a football team. So, um, you know, credit Steven Plasance for that. I believe that's how you say Plassance. his name. It's, I think that's how you say his last name. Don't quote me on that. Um, Man, you, he works for you. Yeah, I know. I how know. do you treat
1: your employees? You just beat the sh*t out of them. Like, make me a chart. You treat them like Jalen Hurts, don't you? Give me my quotes, or I'll just burn hey, hey, you. Hey, credit
0: to Jalen Hurts. He completed his first pass in the NFL on Sunday. And it wasn't because it he wasn't, was rolling. Right, rolling. It wasn't I saw your <laughs>
1: smart ass tweet. <laughs> I had already seen the highlight, and I was like, oh, Keegan, Jalen Hurts growed up.
0: Yeah, I mean, he <laughs> con- hey, congrats. He completed a pass in the pocket in the NFL. I mean, <laughs> congrats. Thank you, Vanessa
1: House, for uh, giving Keegan a reason to smile. Yeah, I mean, Chris Murray. Let's just go, in, go all in on Chris Murray. What do you see? Why should OU fans be excited about him? Why should he have played? Much earlier, and how quite possibly would OU be four zero as a result?
0: You're not wrong there. Like, I, 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 I really you're thi- probably not wrong. Look, if,
1: all those problems that OU has had, they, they would still have them if Chris Murray was still here. But one thing is for sure, they would probably be a much better running game, running team than they are. Oh. And being able to run the football helps a lot. It even, does, even though Lincoln Riley sometimes forgets that. But go ahead, go right ahead on Chris Murray. So
0: I think he's listed properly at UCLA. He was six two one ninety eight. I'm going to pull enough, pull him up on sooner uh, on OU's roster and see what he's at. But this is a guy that you talk about feet, right? Very light on his feet. He does not play like he's a 300-pounder at at 6'2 at all. I mean, extremely athletic and agile, a guy that can get out. and One thing you don't see because UCLA doesn't do it, where they go guard tackle counter, they don't do any counters. They don't do many powers. They don't do many things where Chris Murray – is uh, you know is pulling around and we didn't get a good idea of that, which then the first time he does it for Oklahoma Brady, <laughs> I, I think people are going to be excited. This is a guy he's not scared of anything, picks up blitzes really well, and oh, I think the, well we don't know that he might be afraid of spiders. He could be. You're right. Yep. Now to your point, though, or to to finish this up, as well as the fact that I think the biggest thing and something that you saw. Remember the the leak thing I was showing this week against Kansas State with Jalen Hurts where Marquise Hayes came back and found work to find to pick up the blitz or pick up the free guy rushing around. Yeah. Chris Murray was doing that as a sophomore at a high level under a offensive staff that was terrible. I mean, UCLA with Chip Kelly has not been very good. Chip Kelly clearly. sucks. Yeah, man. he yeah. It watching that tapes just hard to watch. I mean, I'm watching one guy one guy only. So, but Chris Murray and this is a guy that you insert him in the lineup. He looks different than the rest of the guys at Oklahoma has. And the meaning of Tyrese Robinson and Marquise Hayes, Creed to a certain extent, Adrian ely they're monsters of humans. Big chest, long arms. Chris Murray's, like, compact. He's physical, though. Strong as you can think of. I, I I truly mean meant when I said earlier, and now you get why I tweeted what I did. Like, he has a chance to be – in terms of interior offensive linemen, Creed was going to be the highest draft pick since Duke Robinson. Like, he made – I don't think it's crazy to think Trent that Williams. he – Trent Williams is a tackle, though, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, interior guys. I oh, think Duke, I, I, I was looking it up today. I think Duke Robinson was drafted in 09. You're right. Um, that's my bad. But, uh, yeah, there, I mean, this is a team – this is a guy that – dancing bear inside. I mean, you don't want to get in a match where you're trying to scout skill him. He's just going to stone you. Um And I'm not going to try. You know, I don't. I I want to temper. I don't want to temper expectations at all. Really, I mean, I think this is a guy that, if he, as we've heard a little bit last night, from what I understand, Gabe Iker talked about it on the uh, radio show with when replacing coach or Lincoln Riley with the coaches show this week, where that he was going to start this year, and if the COVID didn't happen, and to your point, does Oklahoma win? Does Oklahoma go undefeated? I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, you talk about not being able to run the football against Kansas State. He's clearing out space. Yeah, he's moving people. Like the things that you don't see with Oklahoma's offensive right offensive line in that interior right now, he's doing it. So I really like what I what I've seen from him. I'm going to put out a, a video probably tomorrow morning, a post tonight um, with all the clips that I've got. Um, if it's not 220, I'll put two video clips together. I don't care. Um, I think I think he's a big time talent. Um, he was a freshman All American at UCLA for a reason, and obviously. Um, He's eligible now because I asked Lincoln about it.
1: There you go. Because you won the press conference. So, you know, I think the biggest thing, other than just what Chris Murray is able to do individually uh, up against the man that he's, you know, he is supposed to block on a particular play, I think it helps out Creed a ton because, I mean, watching a bunch of your film breakdowns, Keegan, which you can subscribe to for $5 a month on our Patreon, something that I've kind of noticed is Creed has had to pick up for either a mental lapse or just a mistake because of his guards. And sometimes, like, he's – there's one – I think it was Iowa State. There was one play where Tyrese Robinson just whipped on his man, and Creed already had a hold of his, I think, the nose guard. And then Creed had to kind of, like, run his shoulder to the right in order to make up for Tyrese Robinson's whiff. Nothing really came of it, but you highlighted it, and I'm thinking – Maybe that's why Creed's having an underwhelming part of the year because he's having to make up for his guards not being all there 100% of the time. So I think if if Murray just allows Creed Humphrey to just be Creed Humphrey, I think that that will go a long way for not just the offensive line but the running game. And then, of course, Spencer Rattler, which do you want to get into him?
0: I, I mentioned it a little earlier. It's something that it's hard to describe without showing it. And it's I thought I did a really good job. And this after this post after this game, the show really where the why I kind of get why Lincoln doesn't trust him. You know what I'm saying? Like it's clear that he doesn't trust him being patient enough to with these long developing routes to make the right decision. Um, now, granted, he made one big throw to Charleston Rambo. I applauded him for it because he had grown from the Kansas State game to the Iowa State game. But he took a step back on Saturday in terms of the mental aspect of covering the team. And I can tell you this: I've talked about this play. A billion times, and Brady's probably sick of me talking about it. I have, although I haven't brought it up in a while. Kyler Murray, forty-five twenty-four, Oklahoma, late in the third quarter against Texas down at the Cotton Bowl. There's a play where he forces a throw to Lee Morris, where he didn't need to force it. Oh, the deep ball, the deep ball Lee, he missed, and he almost caught it. No, no, Marquise Brown was open deep, and he tried to force a throw into Lee Morris. And I'll put, whenever we post the podcast, I'll make sure to post this. And, and this actually, it's going into a story on Saturday. So when you see, when you hear you hear this podcast, I'm going to have a post on it Saturday morning about the growth, how what Switzer can take away from the growth of Kyler. Yeah. So it's like a third and six, third and seven. I believe it's on Texas' side of the field. Lee Morris is running across the field. Marquis Brown's running a post behind him. They get Caden Stearns to bite on Lee Morris on the dig. and But Kyler got happy feet he didn't feel comfortable and there was a clean pocket to throw in and Kyler just forced a throw in to Lee Morris, incomplete pass and heading into the Oklahoma, you know, and then there was the play later on the season against Oklahoma state at home in Bedlam, he stepped up in the pocket, found Marquise Brown, big time play, big time touchdown. And, uh, it's going to be, you know, one of those things that Spencer needs to take that step. He really, really does. So, um we'll see if he can as the season progresses um going up against again this is the part of the reason why I'm a little bit worried about TCU Brady and you heard me say this on Tuesday they're going to be it's a really good secondary
1: a really really good yeah. secondary in TCU yeah I mean TCU is always going to have well coached guys and some like talent that you probably don't expect if you're just a casual OU fan casual big 12 fan like you're just like oh TCU I mean what do they have like Especially if OU doesn't have the guys or Texas doesn't have the guys, what's TCU going to throw out there? I mean, just go watch the TCU and Texas game. It's uh, yeah, they're going. They're it's going to be a challenge for Spencer. But I'm just curious. I, I think we kind of talked about it on the Zoom podcast on Tuesday. But to be quite honest, I was having trouble hearing you a lot.
0: I'm sorry. Th- that's
1: okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's still out there for all of our listening pleasures. But so
0: at least like, it's allergies. There. Yeah. Well. It, I guess I shouldn't have said that because Florida players had allergies. I too swear night. to
1: God it's allergies. Yeah. <laughs> now, I, you could tell. I feel a lot better right do now. You,
0: do you not put,
1: like, the OU Texas game, like, do you not consider it just two games? Because Spencer Rattler played a certain way even in the third quarter where the offense really started to gain some scheme and he made a lot of good throws. He played well in that quarter, but overall, eh. Overtime, it was a completely different story. And the hope is, even though I think that the, oh, that game going into overtime was so f***ing unnecessary, we've talked about that ad nauseum by this point, Yeah, maybe the hope is, is that springboards Spencer into, like, oh, this is what I have to do. I can make the plays. I can make the throws. This is, this is the level of play that is required of me on this team.
0: He made some big plays at the end of the game. Even the throw to Austin Stogner that I was critical of later on in the game because he there was no need to make that pass at all. He had Charleston Rambo open for the could, touchdown? what could have been a touchdown, yes.
1: Yeah, like you could certainly tell he just – he wanted
0: he goes, the he whole He goes, I see 6-6, six, six, I see 6-1. I'm going to throw it up to my guy and let him go make a play. And
1: maybe that's – you know, that's what Iowa State did to OU. Exactly. That's what Brock Purdy did. Like sometimes you just kind of go like, I shouldn't lock on to my guy this hard, especially when guys are getting closer to him. Like it, he, he could have thrown it when he had one guy on him but mm-hmm. as he stared at him there were two guys around that could have made a play and there was a third guy on the way, and it's just like oh boy as soon as he threw that like watching the rewatches I was I actually had to listen to that play on the radio but watching it on the rewatch I was trying to put myself in the frame of what if I was seeing this live and as soon as he throws that you don't know where he's throwing you don't know where like what he's throwing to and like my heart would have just oh god what's oh, going this is going to be big
0: in game so I'm obviously up there in the press box. Yeah. He, he makes he starts scooting to the left, and I'm like, oh, he's going to Stogner. Yeah. Oh, he's going to Stogner. Oh, my God, he's not open. And then he throws it, and I was like, oh, boy, third down. you got to go make a fourth down play. And Stogner comes down with it, and I was like, Unbe- unbelievable. And obviously, you, you go look back at the game, and there's a guy open at the top of the screen. However, to your point, though, you go back to that Orange Bowl with Kyler when Marquise Brown was hurt. What did he do a lot in that game?
1: Just be a decoy unnecessarily. No, I'm talking and, about and Kyler, and CD, Kyler and Seedy's
0: Kyler and Ceedee's relationship. That game, uh, yeah. Yeah, it, they, he just he just was like, okay, I'm gonna throw it to Ceedee Lamb the entire time
1: because no one can guard poor him. Poor Patrick Sertan's still never gonna be a first round pick. So, shout, out, shout out to his dad. His dad played a cornerback for the Dolphins for a long time before he was a Kansas City Chief. So, but go keep going. No,
0: but yeah, I mean, I think that's a, that it speaks volumes to maturity level and understanding. Um, really, I think we kind of touched on everything um, from the Texas game that I really, you know, on the rewatch I saw, uh, Brian Asamoa I think a name to really highlight moving forward. He is so close, Brady, and you, I know I pointed out, he is so close to being a dude for Oklahoma's defense. And if a guy that plays with that kind of passion, that can play at that level, you saw what Kenneth Murray was able to do for Oklahoma a year ago. I don't know if Asamoah is that kind of vocal guy, that energy guy. But he clearly is very close, not to a first-round pick level, but close to being a respectable NFL draft prospect. And that's all you can ask for out of a guy um, in, a, in a kind of a pandemic rent season. Um, it really is. And he's obviously going to be back next year. And after next year is when we're really going to be talking about him and his NFL draft prospectus. But he is playing at a high level right now. He's got to make a couple more tackles. But we even saw a year ago, Kenneth Murray didn't make all the tackles either. He disrupted plays, though. Yeah. And that's the most important thing. The next step to making those tackles, well, looks like Kenneth Murray's doing it um, in the NFL right now. Yeah, well, I mean,
1: it's the, same, it's the same story that I've been saying that you've been kind of having to nod your head to whenever I get on this, you know, this whole diatribe. But all the young guys that haven't been touched by Mike or Kerry or Tim, <laughs> like all those guys, there's potential there. There's talent there. And I think what we're seeing is what probably OU fans were just begging for when they were going into the 2015, 2016, mainly the 2016, 2017, 2018 year of, like, man, just imagine if we had an average defense. Imagine what we could do if we had an average defense.
0: Hey, screw around, they'll start calling Oklahoma pretty, pretty good, right?
1: Pretty good. Oh, Grinch is just awesome, isn't he? he he's, he's awesome.
0: No, and, and I think
1: as, as we step back at this young season, Keegan, you know, four games in, two and two, which is not good, uh, OU overall as a team, not good, and especially when we're talking about for a full four, qu- four quarters. One thing you can say is outside of missed tackles throughout the Iowa State game, and that was all the secondary, and that was mainly all Mike's guys, and then some penalties sprinkled through the Kansas State, Iowa State, and even the Texas game, the defense has been very good. I, I mean, according to whatever, like I guess that depends on what your expectations were. I had lower expectations for this defense than I did last year because I knew that Kent Murray had talent, I knew that Neville, Neville Gallimore had talent, Parnell Motley had talent, and all we were getting was someone else with a different voice and probably a bigger defensive huh. brain to try and get that. I was talent. where you were try go to get with that. try to get that talent out onto the football field, and Alex Grinch did exactly that, and so I had a little bit lower expectation because those guys are gone. But I expected there to still be guys in position to make plays, guys in position to make tackles, and it's just going to come down to the player on the field to make that player to make that tackle. And after four games, like yeah, DJ or um, Deshaun White, Brian Asimoa, uh, the defensive lineman, even Jaden Davis, they've had bad plays, but you are going to have bad plays. I think for the most part, what we have moving forward with OU's defense, with the guys that will be here this year and next year, there's a lot to be excited for.
0: I think there is. And I th- one guy I, w- I do need to highlight, another one, Joshua Ellison. He is playing really well, and a guy that I did not expect to play that well um, this year uh, for Oklahoma. I really, I didn't expect him to play at all, um, obviously playing at a high level. But to your point, my thing is, is that this is who – the defense is who we think it's going to be, right? I mean <laughs> –
1: I'm I'm so sorry. Episode two of the standard is coming out tonight. (laughs) You know that thing they were supposed to put out every week, Uh, but then they oh yeah they
0: literally shelved it after two losses, and now they're like now we're having it back. Should I hey just like I did with Lincoln on Tuesday? So if anybody hasn't heard it, this is how I set up the question. Lincoln, you said you know Ronnie Perkins went up to Iowa State or went up to Ames for moral support. (laughs) I I said I I kind of felt like a did dick his, a, I felt like a dick after that. Did his it, leadership suck? <laughs> must have. But, uh, so, should I go next Tuesday and go, Lincoln, you guys didn't release a video for the standard the last two weeks, and now you guys do. Are you guys only going to release it after wins? It's really simple. Like, I get
1: Lincoln Riley not wanting to throw his guys under the bus and wanting to protect his players. I, that's a good trait in a coach. But... You set yourself up for failure when you when you just blatantly lie to the media asking a question of why is Ronnie Perkins here when he's not able to play. Oh, we just want him for moral support. Well, then you set yourself up for a smartass like me to get on a podcast and say, well, I guess his leadership or his moral support just sucks because he well, all lost to Iowa State.
0: He set, he set himself up. He
1: doesn't have to say what he's suspended for. No. He doesn't have to say that at all. But if he just nope. said, well, we, we're confident that an appeal will be successful for Ronnie's situation, it's a little bit different than the other guy's. Like their suspension will be served and they will return to the team later on, but we feel more confident about Ronnie. But it's still ongoing at this point.
0: Then there are no more questions. Or it's just Ronnie Perkins is practicing. Ronnie Perkins is practicing. Perkins is, um, you know, I think we're close to getting his uh, his eligibility back. We haven't heard back quite yet. Um, Doesn't even have to say the reason why he goes. You know, he that's going to be an in-house matter. So, you know, it's uh, he set himself up. And like you said, a smart ass like you, a smart ass like me, goes into a press conference set-in and is willing to ask that question.
1: I don't know. I mean, we kind of talked about it on the post game pod on Sunday. We talked about it maybe a little bit on Tuesday. I'm not expecting Ronnie to be back. I'm expecting all the suspended, the other suspended guys to be back for Texas Tech, not TCU. If they're back, I'm, I will be surprised. I'll be surprised pants. But no, I mean, really, wrapping up with the defense. I mean, you're getting me a lot a lot more excited for Brian Asamoah than I've kind of been just on my own watching the game and then kind of going back and talking about it or re-watching games. But I, I certainly see what you're talking about, like the explosion, the ability to diagnose the play early on and then just make a step and be like a determined step because that was a problem with Kenneth Murray early on in his career where he was fairly timid and he wouldn't make a determined step. Like, I, I don't care if you go the wrong way. Just look like a just look like you know what the hell you're doing because you can either get hurt or just get blown out of the play. And, I mean, just go back and watch the 2018 OU Texas game and watch Kenneth Murray. How many times he was timid and then a guard, a, a tackle, or a running back would just come up and just annihilate him out of the play and then Ellinger would just walk in on a red carpet into the end zone.
0: I'm going to have to check on something. No, this isn't right. Is it
1: pro football focused? Because I was no. told – Well, actually, I'll ask you this. So, Spencer Rattler is like number seven or number six in the country, passer grade. Do you know who number four is? Who? Ellinger? It's not Ellinger, but it is a big 12 quarterback. Purdy. No. Thompson?
0: No. Ellingsworth. Il- Chan- Chandler Morris. Oh, <laughs> for for seven, however many snaps he's played. <laughs>
1: That QB battle next year, man, it's going to be off the chain.
0: Yeah. Um, switch has got a lot to grow from. Defensively, as you were talking about, Brian Moa. they still got to figure out what to do with Patrick Fields and Buki. I thought Buki was better on Saturday than he – and I highlighted one play where he, he did a really good job in the running game. But uh, he's got to be better, and they, they got to figure that out. But – I mean, if you're ready to move on to the grades, how I'd grade them out, how you grade them out moving forward, I definitely would.
1: Let's get right into it. So, yeah, we're going to grade. Keegan, I'm not going to do it. Keegan's going to grade all the units four games in. So uh, let's start the sexy pick right now and do punting.
0: (laughs) Punting? (laughs) I'm just kidding. Did a not bad job on Saturday.
1: a, A D. They got a punt block and it helped them lose a game. So let's just go right to quarterback.
0: This is a tough one because if you take away the drops it would be right where that PFF score is but because he struggled picking up the offense early on in the season as well as a couple really bad interceptions I think you have to give him like a you know low B like a B minus like an 82 83 but you know, he's – the drops, if those drops don't happen – I mean, I'm accounting for those as well, but if they don't happen, I think this is a, a na- different conversation nationally about Spencer Rowler because I think there's still a lot of people that doubt the fact that he could potentially do what he's going to probably do at Oklahoma.
1: Yeah, and you, you, you were talking about some of the drops. All I think about when I see his – what was it? Eight drops or six drops? He has got
0: he leads the conference with five picks. I think I can think of five to Charleston Rambo? <laughs> two to Charleston Rambo. Yeah, one to Obi-Obiallo. And one for sure to Theo Wiesel. Well, two, that should,
1: two from Obi. One of them that should have been ruled a catch.
0: Yes, that's also true.
1: Which, are those considered drops?
0: I believe so. Okay. Yeah, I mean,
1: Spencer Rattler is playing like a very talented quarterback with a bright future, but he's young on a young team. I think it's... I mean, he's going to make mistakes. He's going to have turnovers. You just hope that they're not so damning that he's able to be put in a position in which he has in those two losses to be able to make up for it. Unfortunately, he just wasn't able to make up for it against Kansas State and Iowa State, but he was more than able to in overtime and four overtimes against Texas. So uh, moving from quarterback, Keegan, let's go to running back.
0: I'd give them a C+. However, my geeky self could give them like a – B-plus for the fact that they've pass-protected incredibly well. But they have missed some runs, so I'd give them a... I, they have missed some holes, so a C-plus.
1: Yeah, TJ Pledger's game alone probably bumps them up from just a C-minus, because there's there's ex, there's stuff to be excited for. Oh, I didn't know Kyler Murray and Tim Tebow did a Heisman commercial together. They're probably not in the same car. It's a green screen. Or they might be in the same car. It's the Heisman thing with Nissan. Um... There's stuff to be excited about with Seth McGowan. Absolutely. But he, he clearly needs a year in the weight room to just be a Division One Power Five, Oklahoma running back. T.J. Pledger has showed me a lot, and I like him moving forward as the change of pace back. I think he's a perfect change of pace back. And I will agree with uh, Grant Benson, who was on the podcast on Tuesday of the West of Everest podcast because they were talking about it. He does need to be involved in the passing game. He needs to be, like, on wheel McGowan. routes. McGowan? Not McGowan. On, Pledger? Uh, T.J. Pledger. Because the uh, the sh- uh, shuffle pass is it shuffle pass or shovel pass? Shuff. I've always said shuffle pass because you shuffle the ball. Yeah, it's a yeah. shuffle. It's yeah. a people say shovel. It's uh, like no, no,
0: no, shovel, shovel pass. Is it shovel pass? Yeah,
1: shovel. Okay, I'll, I'll say shovel pass since you're the X's and O's guy. Um, but the shovel pass that worked against Iowa State. I mean, if that's T.J. Pledger, a smaller guy where it's harder to see. Like that's why it that's why it worked with Q back in the day, but. Um, no, I mean there's stuff to be excited for, but I, ju- I just want Ramondre Stevenson back.
0: He's really good. <laughs> he's, really he's very, really good. He's very good. Yeah, I think I mean, you guys have heard me say this, but I think he's a like fourth round draft guy. I mean, he's he's the, he has that kind of ceiling maybe higher. And if it's true that he hasn't lost any speed by putting on 10 more pounds somehow, oh that'd be nice. Oh. oh. When it, I mean, that's like P. Ryan but faster.
1: Yeah, Piran just, he had good speed. He just didn't have breakaway speed. But he had, he, I'm going to sound like an idiot. He had the speed that if he was, if he had separation, you weren't going to catch him. Because I don't re- really ever recall him getting caught up from behind unless he was just in a, amongst a group of people. Like the TCU 2015 game where he had that 70-yard run on a bum ankle. Like he he pulled away and they couldn't catch him. But uh, let's go to receivers. Hmm. Rambo
0: brings this unit down a lot. I think Drake Stoops' blocking brings it down a lot. Yes. Um, you know, I, I I was thinking about this earlier in the day. Just with who they have in the drops are bad. So I, I think I would also give them a C+.
1: That was something I didn't even think about. Like we, we like destroyed Theo Weiss, rightfully so, for that drop against Iowa State. But then he just bounces back against Texas and has... An incredible game where he made mm. big adult NFL catches all up and down the field.
0: He did. I mean, that catch on third down, both of them, huge. And then the overtime, obviously two two point conversion, um, also massive. So, yeah, he's got a he's got a bright future. Okay, well, let's go into offensive
1: line, even though we kind of already talked. Just want to go H backs. H backs. Yeah. Yeah, and then offensive
0: line. Well, because you I want to, I want to give someone a good grade here. You can just say the grade for the offensive line. We already talked about the O line start. Oh, I would, I'd give the offensive line a solid C right now. Fair. Seventy-five. H backs. H backs. Mikey Henderson needs the B- ball. Plus, I mean, close to an close to an A. I, th- I would grade them in the upper 80s. This is a group that has missed a couple blocks. Austin Stogner missed some really big blocks late in the game on Saturday against Texas. Jeremiah Hall had a couple huge ones, but also missed some. You know, Brayden Willis when he played, I thought they did a really good job in the Iowa State game. But this is a a group that has its ceiling is ceiling is the roof, right? I mean, <laughs> they are a really really good unit, and they're going to be a huge part of this offense, not just for you know 2020, but in beyond. I mean, I don't see any of these guys leaving. Poor Mikey Henderson's going to get buried again, but we'll definitely see what comes of that. I think
1: I was just gonna say am I silly for looking at that one play Mikey Henderson had against Texas and just going the way that he runs is so he look he just looks like a guy that has great strength and great speed and he understands how to run just just by the way that he was cutting I'm like that's a guy that knows how to get forward he's not gonna dance around he's got good enough speed I just want him to get the football more even though Jeremiah Hall just is great he catches everything thrown to him
0: he does. He, and he was wide open in overtime, and Swinter Rattler missed him. Uh, but that's here nor there. You know, this is, a, this is a group, this is a team, you know, just on offense that they haven't been the normal, their normal selves. And I don't know if they're going to get to that point this year. Um, maybe Chris Murray's addition brings them back to that. But overall, I, I, I would give them a high, a high, like a low B, high C for how they've performed so far. You know, through four games.
1: I used to drink high C as a kid.
0: Great drink, by the way. Did you used to do the little high C suicide drink back in the day too, where yeah. you'd get like high C and the rest of the sodas? Oh yeah, it's always a good one. Thank God I don't have diabetes. Let's flip over to the
1: defense, and I guess we'll start in the back. <laughs> well, that's really easy. <laughs> Safeties are. To is s- Patrick Fields the worst player on the defense?
0: Oh, not close, and, it, and it's not close. And I hate to be that guy, but I, I mean, mean he, he is. And the reason why we can say this is because he's a captain. Yep. Like, yeah, you're you're, you're held, held to a, a higher standard. standard. Oh, Jinx.
1: Is not playing football this week. Continue.
0: <laughs> they uh you know, the safeties I'd give them a I'd give them a C minus. I thought DeLaron Turner Yells had some really good moments. But overall, I mean, just from those two have been bad. Corners take Torrey Brown out of the conversation. I mean, and you just use Woody Washington's performance in Texas, I'd I'd grade them a you know a B minus. I think you'd have to give Jaden Davis, a lot of credit. I'd, I'd give, like, Trey Brown a, a C, and Jaden Davis, a, like, a B plus, And then Woody Washington for his performance on Saturday, like a like a plus a B, B+ as well, like J- up in the upper 80s.
1: Jaden had the missed tackle against Iowa State. Other than that, I don't recall him getting beat on any play. Because, one, Kansas State, I don't really think – I don't recall them throwing any go routes. They threw a one
0: way. go route, and he
1: was all over it. And then Ellinger, for whatever reason, threw it – to his way three times. Like two in the first quarter and that one in the fourth quarter and Jaden Davis destroyed it. Yep. So that's your cover corner.
0: Yeah, he's really, really good. Um, you know, a, a guy that is undersized and as to your point, you know, he's only been coached by Grinch's guys. So some of those things we see about the holding and all the other things we see, see from the other players, definitely not what's happening um, with some of the Grinch guys. However, I guess Woody Washington – No, Woody Washington wasn't coached by. He was recruited by, but not coached by. Was he? Is he
1: a redshirt freshman or a true? Uh? Yeah, because he played in the Peach Bowl last year. And but it what he didn't play enough games to burn his redshirt. I believe he's a redshirt freshman. Because I remember when yeah, he was at, a when he was out there. Like I remember the whole conversation was because clearly OU was not in that game competitively, and it was like, okay, it's this is fine. Woody's going to keep his redshirt.
0: Yeah. No, he's uh, listed as a redshirt freshman on Oklahoma's roster. Um, speaking of which, I definitely need to pull up Chris Murray's height and weight since I forgot that earlier. But um, no, I you know this is a, a a secondary that has gotten better. I mean, they just got to continue. They got to find an answer for Patrick Fields. I mean, he the whole he it basically helped Texas score a touchdown on that final drive. Had a, a big mistake early in the game as well. You know, it's uh only so much you can take if you're Oklahoma's defense, and he's hurting them right now.
1: What What does Buki do for the rest of the season? And like, not not a s- simple question, but more so, can he do anything positive other than just not make a negative play? Do you know what I'm saying? Sure. Like, like Buki, we don't really ever realize that you're out there unless you get a penalty. Except well, for the Kansas State game. Except for the Kansas State game. But you know, how many times do teams throw sideways? you know, screens, like, maybe three or four times a game. So that's three or four opportunities for Buki to, like, really make a play defensively because, I mean, his coverage skills are fine, but he's short. And then other than that, like, we only really notice him when he gets blocked out of a play because they run run the ball his direction or he gets a penalty.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's been a negative play addict so far in 2020. He
1: got away with a big hold in the fourth quarter. He got away with a
0: huge hold. Yeah, that was the one – The
1: one play that kind of went OU's way against Texas and the call, no call, Mm -hmm. um, I I will die on this hill. I think Trey Brown was correctly called for holding or pass interference on that first pick he had. Like, and that's not, I don't hate Trey Brown. (laughs) I I don't think he's as good as Woody Washington. But, I mean, the flag was there.
0: Yep. No, it is. It was, and it definitely has to be something that's, Checked out on, and a guy that is clearly losing his starting job to Woody Washington. I mean, I don't think anybody's wrong in saying that right now about Trey Brown.
1: Linebackers.
0: See, this is where, because Deshaun White's performance on Saturday drops this grade a lot. Just because he, of
1: that one play?
0: A couple, I mean, a couple of them. Well, that
1: know. one play was just so, it it was, it was a, obviously it was a big play. Ellinger is not a quarterback that should juke you. Here to Sean White and especially Patrick Fields on the on the play where Ellinger scored in overtime where Trey Brown got or, or Brian Asmoa got held. I mean, that's the big eye opener play. But to me it's like Patrick Fields just straight up missed Ellinger and he got juked out of his jock strap. But Sean White had basically kind of the same thing where he was what was he spying? I don't remember. It was the play that you highlighted on the film review where he's sp-
0: like. White, spied. He yes. absolutely yeah. should have yeah, made the play. He engage- yeah, he got too close to the offensive line and engaged with the center. Yeah. Like, that should never happen you're
1: if sp- you're a s- in a spy situation. It's like you're spying. You're not You're not up in the business.
0: Yeah, not good. Definitely, you know, something that hurts you. I mean, David Aguaybu replaced him at the end of the game. I mean, everybody saw it. <laughs>
1: we were there. No, I wasn't. <laughs> um, all right. Overall grade, though?
0: I'd grade that group a – I would s- I would give them a B. B, B-minus yeah. kind of area. I mean, they were good up in Iowa State. They just missed a couple tackles. Yeah. You know? So, they uh, they were good against Kansas State as well. So, it's besides one player. D- and, again, I highlighted that player again on, from the Texas game. But, um, overall, that group's, I think, been exactly what Oklahoma's needed them to be outside of three to four, five plays. D-line probably my only a of this group and it'd be an a minus nick benino's really good really really good uh then you you know bring up what isaiah thomas has brought to the table a guy that's gonna be earning he probably earned himself a paycheck on saturday yeah Uh, he was unbelievable and you know mentioned the fact that number 70 from texas the right tackle i don't know how he bounces back from that (laughs) literally anybody they lined up on that side he they got he got beat
1: yeah, he's their Josiah St. John all day. I mean, the defensive line has been the most steady, consistent, and at times the best group when we're talking about OU. I mean, it, sh- it should be Spencer Rattler because of the standard of the quarterback at OU and what that means to a Lincoln Riley offense. And if OU's going to have success, it's going to be because Spencer Rattler plays like the Spencer Rattler we saw in overtime. Uh, but it's ne- it's never a bad thing when your defensive line is your best unit by any means. So there's that. Uh My last question, Keegan, in terms of grading, how do you think uh, old Gabe Burkich bounces back from this?
0: I think he's fine. I mean, if he didn't hit that kick up in Ames, it would be different. I mean – Yeah, he had a bomb. Yeah, he could have been good from 55, 60. So, I think he's fine. Uh, Oklahoma special teams is really good. That's something I didn't highlight on the Patreon. I probably should have. That pun return from Marvin Mims, you want to talk about good coaching, the fact that both the guys that were set up to block their guys in the back – just put their hands up and moved in front of the guy Yeah, is huge. I mean, that's so important. E- even though, like, you, you saw it, like, because you see them for a split second
1: with their hands up, even the, when he passes them, when I'm watching that game live, Keegan, I'm just like, I'm waiting for the flag. It's like, I'm still waiting for it. But, no, it was it was a well-executed play, and it's good coaching. So, shout-out to old Shane Beamer.
0: Absolutely. Um, Reeves' one shot was better on Saturday. He had one bad punt, I thought. Um, didn't get the distance I typically would have expected. However, he did have the big punt that took Texas back inside the 10-yard line late in the game. Now Oklahoma couldn't do anything with it, and I believe that was the first time Tom Herman went forward on fourth and one the entire game. Oh, yikes. I mean, yikes. Oh, go ahead. But I think he's been better. For sure.
1: And then the one last thing before we get out of here, Keegan, Why, why is it disgusting down in Austin with this eyes of Texas thing?
0: You got Did a bun- you, you got a bunch you know I I've, I've done a bunch of reading on this and
1: I lived I'm- in Texas for 6 years and I didn't know about like the the origins of the Eyes of Texas and if you if you don't know it it was written and then performed initially at like at a minstrel show yeah which we don't need to uh, hopefully if you don't know what that is just Google it and then you'll understand why it's Alleg- l- allegedly it's a little off-putting for we don't
0: we don't know this I, I just, that's not per- Texas has put a group together to find out if that's true oh I, I'm gonna I'm
1: gonna believe them 100%
0: I'm just saying like with stuff that's being said right now I definitely you know yeah, you've got to be careful but sure sure that's fine but the one thing that can't be denied is that it definitely I think this historical fact is true about it, that it was the eyes of the South, and they took that from what the Confederacy used to say. Yeah, it was Um, written
1: in 1894, so the only thing they have going for them is, well, we didn't write it during slave times.
0: (laughs) That's also true. But to, to your question, though, you've got a bunch of big money donors who believe in the traditions of the University of Texas and that they should always stand, and these players are kind of speaking up about the roots of it. They're not speaking up about the racist nature of it right now. And... You know those people feel like these kids are kind of out of touch with it and that tradition, and that it's always been inclusive, that it's been this, that it's been that, um, and now it's a mess. I mean, Del Conte made it a mess today. Like there yeah, was no
1: need to do that. It's it's embarrassing and unfortunately very on brand for what UT has been since I've been alive.
0: Yeah, they were one of the last teams in the Big Twelve, right, to have an well, African American football player in the, Southwest, in the Southwest, Southwest Conference. Conference. I, I, think I don't in Texas A&M.
1: I mean, that wouldn't shock me. I mean, the Southwest Conference was Arkansas and then all the Texas schools. So, I mean, shouldn't shock anybody. But um, it's, a,
0: it's a mess. And congrats, I, Tom I, Herman. I will say this. I think Ian Boyd is right in this whenever he says to the fact that it kind of shows when the athletic director has to come in and have that conversation because the head coach can't do it. I think that speaks volumes to that. He's kind of a lame duck at this point. Yeah,
1: like it's really easy to probably understand Tom Herman probably just assumed that they would have more success early on this season and that would clear everything up. You know what I mean? Like, oh, we're winning. The players won't care about this. They cared about it because there was nothing to do back in the summer. Yep. That's probably what his dumb head thought. Mm-hmm. And now that they don't have that success, well, I mean, there's obviously more time to think about other things, but unfortunate.
0: Yeah, yes. and I I know we, we had one other bullet point you wanted to talk oh, about. Oh, yes, please. Um, before we do get out of here, Oklahoma is closer to being f- – 4-0, oh, I would say 3-1. and one. They probably deserve to lose the Iowa State game. They're probably closer to 3-1 and one than Texas is to 3-1. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? like.
1: Texas needed a miracle to beat Tech. Yeah. Oh, you didn't need a miracle to beat Kansas State or no. even Iowa State. No, they just played bad.
0: Yeah. And they played, as you all have heard, they kind of played average again on Saturday, and they were up 31-17 in the fourth quarter on Texas which is a complete indictment on the job Tom Herman's done as a head coach.
1: Yeah, I mean, there, there's reason why, like, if you want to punt on this season as an OU fan, that's fine. Like, you could, I still have a little bit of fleeting hope that maybe they can rebound and really capitalize off the overtime and maybe at least make the Big 12 Championship. I think if they made the Big 12 Championship and lost, I would still be angry and we'll get on the postgame show and I'll cuss and probably but blame Bob in some way, Keegan, but... What I will do overall is just go, this this team, the way it started, had no business in a conference championship game, the way that they played. So I think you can take a lot of stock in that it's a young team. They're going to make mistakes. But having said that, compare that to the situation in Austin, it could be much, much worse. And there's no future optimism other than the fleeting hope that they hire Bob or Nick Saban? What the hell was that? That's just Texas, man. I mean, I, I, Bob I,
0: Stoops is not going to go coach at Texas. I for one wouldn't. I wouldn't. But hate that's it. a legit thought. Like they think, they really think that they could have a shot to pull to pry him away.
1: I wouldn't hate that. Pry him away from what? The XFL? To
0: Oklahoma ties.
1: I mean, it was worked well for them in the past. That's the only time they ever have success. So they hire somebody with an Oklahoma
0: tie. I really wouldn't mind. Go right ahead. So. Well, so can we talk about? I said this on the radio Tuesday or Monday with Sam and Chisholm. I really like the idea of Herm Edwards at Texas. I think he fits perfectly, except for the fact except that he can't for, deal the donors.
1: Oh, I thought you were going to go a different direction. Well, <laughs> oh,
0: no, but that should be fine at this point.
1: It, it should be, but it's not.
0: It wasn't with Charlie Strong. Yeah, is Red right. McCombs? Is that his name? Is he still alive? I don't know. I can
1: check real quick. Oh, I don't need to. I don't need to assume other people's character, but. Yeah. He's
0: 92 years old and still alive, yes. Yeah. But, again, Herm Edwards is perfect for Texas. He's already taken the CEO approach at Arizona State. Obviously, he's hired really good assistants. He's kind of turned that thing around. He's too old. No. I mean, th- that could be his last name in sports. Um, coach for five to ten years and, and be good with it. So, but uh, – It's a mess down there, but as I said, no. And you want to talk about the frustrations of Oklahoma being close to being 4-0. They are really close. A couple plays, you know, you make four tackles in the Iowa State game, you probably win. You, you know, don't have that fumble from Seth McGowan, you probably win against Kansas State. You know, it's one of those things. Heck, if you don't have the tip pass. So, it's – they're close. Fumble Seth McGowan, yeah. They're real close, but they are, you know, they're not. They're 2-2. Two and two. they uh, probably good for them to be 2-2 two and two in the long term, but definitely close to being kind of right in the thick of a college football playoff conversation, which is where everybody expects them to be at, and now they're on a Big 12 championship expectation.
1: Well, I always prefer it to be thick. Well, Keegan, now officially happy birthday. Thank you. You're welcome. Anything to plug? You've got that story coming out on Saturday.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. just a couple – just a couple, uh, you know, p- you know, film-related pieces to come out on the website. One should go tonight um, here in the next 30 minutes or so whenever I get done with it. But it's, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's been a big week of just watching film, making sure I understand what's been kind of happening and moving forward with it. You know, they, uh, they just got to get better. This team's got to get better. They got to get better in a lot of areas. And
1: we got to get better. No, I'm just kidding. Well, of course we got to get better. But, yes. Thank you, Keegan. Happy birthday. Thank you, Ryan, for uh, chiming in for a few minutes. And uh, thank you, Vanessa House, for taking care of us, of course. And like we put on Twitter and said earlier, the plan is to just do our Thursday shows from now on at 530 here. So if you're in the neighborhood, come out and say hi if you'd like to. I'm sure Keegan will take a picture with you or sign an autograph. I don't know. Keegan's famous. I'm not. I only have 5,000 followers. <laughs> Everybody <So> you can't
0: <laughs> make fun of me for it and then tweet what you did out. Well, No, it's it's...
1: Are you at 8,000 yet? Close. We need to get there. Not close enough. Close like OU being 4-0. Everybody, thank you for listening to the Inside OU Podcast. Bye-week, but we'll still have fun, I'm sure. Next week, we'll be right back on Tuesday with Media Corner and Keegan after Lincoln Riley getting ready for TCU. And then Thursday, next Thursday, we'll be back here at Vanessa at our new Thursday home. So, everybody, thank you so much for listening to the podcast, and we'll talk to you later.